the first big trade of the year, Carter Gochi traded to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale. We talk all about what both teams are receiving and a lot more on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this pod, on this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. We've got a big one for you today, the first big trade of the year. We've got Cutter Goche being traded to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick. We'll be breaking down everything about this trade from the Anaheim side, from the Philadelphia side, what both teams are getting and the prospects they're obtaining in this trade. We'll also talk about some of the surrounding rumors and and speculations and thoughts overall about the situation um we've heard a lot over the last couple of days about cutter goche um so we'll get into all of that uh before we get into any of it though today's episode is brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five life-saving antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform whether that's spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts make sure to make us your first listen of the day so let's get things started here with uh carter Gochi going to anaheim i think we can start with the carter Gochi side I feel like that's the, the, the side that's getting a lot more interest. And I feel like we can pretty easily break down what Goche brings to the game, right? Um, we have some differing opinions on what Goche's ceiling could be and what type of player he can be. But I think our, our idea of his play style is the same, right? Yeah. I mean, I think like we, we know what his strengths and weaknesses are. What yeah. differs may, maybe is the optimism that we respect, respectively have here. So I'm sure Ducks fans are going to want to listen to you a little bit more than to me in, in this episode <laughs> uh, because you're more optimistic with Gauthier. Yeah. Cutter Gauthier is an excellent prospect. He's a, he's a really, really good addition for Anaheim and he slots in wonderfully. He gives them a ton of versatility down the middle, which they already had uh, in terms of long-term projections. Now you have four players that can really conceivably be solid top six centermen, which is a tremendous luxury now that you're adding Cutter Goatse to the mix with uh, Trevor Zegras and uh, Leo Carlson and, of course, Mason McTavish, who's been playing excellent hockey this season. Yeah, uh, But I think one of the things that makes me optimistic with Goatse especially after this trade, is that he's not going to be shooed in or expected to be the 1C long-term, which he likely would have been in Philadelphia. And I think that's going to help him a ton. Uh, Not in terms of necessarily the pressure, but more the expectation of the type of role that he would fulfill. I think if he is at least like like long term mainly going to be playing like a a left wing role maybe in Anaheim, apart from like when injuries force him down the middle. I think that that helps him a lot in terms of really focusing on being a high-end shooter and also working a bit on his passing and playmaking game from the perimeter, which he's really good at when he's like asked to do so and when he's, when yeah. he's looking for his playmaking options. When, he can yeah. also he can put his blinders on big time and only shoot like like broken controller style, but 
he's a fascinating player who has really evolved his game in a really impressive way since draft day. He was a player yeah. that was a lot lower on, on draft day than I am now. I think I had him ranked like 24th or something. It was very low on him on draft day. But yeah. since then, he's added a lot of versatility to his offensive game specifically, which I know that you're a really big fan of. So yeah. talk me through a little bit like what parts of his game and what he's added to his toolkit since the draft that makes you more optimistic on his front, especially as like a top line projection potentially than I am. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot more offensive versatility now. And it's, it's part of the reason why I, I I had ranked him in kind of the 12 to 15 range in his draft year is I saw the opportunity for him to develop an offensive versatility that could make him a fantastic complementary player on any line. And it's part of why I like him as a fit with the Ducks so much, because they have so many different stylistic matches for him. If you want him to be that sharpshooter, power forward style of player, you can place him on the left wing beside or on the right wing beside um, Trevor Zegers and Troy. Terry, for example, you know, you've got that that guy who can shoot from anywhere and find the find the postage stamp in Troy Terry. You've got a fantastic creative um, outlet in in Trevor Zegras. And then you can place Carter Gauthier with him and with them. And he will be the guy who will drive the net, who will take shots from down low, who will, you know, consistently put pucks on net and play that more meat and potato style of game. But at the same time, if you place him next to a Mason McTavish or a Leo Carlson, you can also mold his game to that, become more of a distributor, you know, be more of a give and go player. Um, He's always been fairly linear, at least in his draft year. That's what I really saw from him. But watching him in Boston College this year, you can see a lot more intricacy in his game. You can see a bit more chess than checkers, which is what you really want to see in a player like this. And yeah, I mean, overall, that offensive versatility is his ticket to the next level. Because like I said, the the, the Ducks have so many stylistic fits, especially at center. Um, between him, Zegras, McTavish, and, and Leo Carlson, you've got four centers who all four of them have played wing before. So you can just place yeah. centers per line with one on the wing and have them alternate sides on the face-off, that kind of thing. Like, it's a really good idea to have Gochi in this lineup. I'm I'm really impressed with the tidy piece of work here from the Ducks and overall by the the upgrades in Gochi's game over the past year because it's definitely true that in this draft here is a really linear shoot-first, power-forward, drive-the-net, you know, uh, overwhelm opponents with speed type of player. Um, and that's what got him picked fifth overall, but... Um, he's added some maturity, he's added some versatility and some intricacy to his game that's been really impressive. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that we're both definitely in line in terms of being impressed with how he's progressed over time. And yeah. if that progression can continue for the next like two or three years at the current rate, then you're looking at a player that in my mind might have that top line upside, even in a lineup as deep as Anaheim's. But I think that there are still some some issues in this game. I think if the World Juniors were really like kind of good microcosm of how he plays yeah. and his weaknesses, right? Like we saw in the elimination games, a cutter goat say that was, as you said, extraordinarily versatile, like filling in like space really, really well, playing off of his line mates and kind of compensating for their weaknesses. And like there's a reason that he excelled so much when Oliver Moore was put on his line, a player who yeah. was playing on the wing, but was kind of playing the center role in the defensive zone, who would drop down low, give that defensive support, because that isn't really Cutter Gauthier's strength. The defensive yeah. game has always been a little bit subpar, nothing like awful but not not a, a big strength at, at any rate but 
yeah, he, he he's fascinating. And then like if you go look up before the elimination games and like the group stage, you saw Cutter Goatse, who somehow racked up assists despite not passing the puck at all. He did basically. not pass the puck. That's it was just, it was all yeah. off of rebounds, right? It was like he was putting pucks Face on off net. wins, that kind of Face thing. Face off wins, exactly, right? And and that's a cutter goatse that in my mind is a lot more limited in what he could bring to an NHL lineup long term, where yeah. he was shooing himself into a very specific role as like the sniper of the line. And he has such a diverse toolkit that like forcing himself down that very, very narrow path limits his output and limits his potential impact. So I think a big thing for Goatse moving forward and uh, in his, in his transition to the NHL, which is probably going to happen within the next year yeah. is to, to really lean into that versatility. And uh, if he does so, Anaheim got a fantastic player here, and even if he d isn't able to do so, you're getting a super fun uh, second liner, anyways. Ab so absolutely, yeah. A very, very good acquisition here for the Ducks. For sure, I, I just I see the fit next to Zegras and Terry as so natural for him that I think it's just inevitable that he ends up on that top line, like despite himself. Um, but he needs to bring the game that we saw in the elimination games and not the game that he, that we saw from him in the, in the group stage of the world juniors. Cause those were two different Carter Um, yeah. and even though he technically earned more points before the group, the, the, the elimination games, um, a lot of them were just not produced in translatable ways or were produced in ways that reflect more the skill set of his line mates than his. Um, cause yeah, Goche was just extremely trigger happy. I remember this one shot he took, I even screenshotted and put it on Twitter. I mean, he, he took a short side shot on a goalie who was leaning short side. who was cheating short side to look at the puck when he had two wide open teammates and one in the high slot, one in the low slot for a tip in. And he took a short side high shot. Like yeah. if you're going to take a shot, shoot for a rebound on the, on, on, on the low blocker side, not on the high glove side. It just, it, it didn't make sense on that shot, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's small decisions like that that make you kind of <clears throat> wonder what's going on. But in the medal rounds, I was really, really impressed. He was often um, his line's best player and at times the, the Team USA's best player, which is very it's a very hard thing to do when you've got a lineup that stacked. Uh, but yeah, fairly impressed with with the um, with what Carter Goche brings to the game. And I'm a bit more optimistic with his defensive side than you are. I see a bit more flashes of upside, especially in Boston College, it's really, really clear that he's able to hold, to hold his own when he wants yeah. to, but it's a it's a matter of willingness. Um, but overall, yeah, the, the Ducks are getting an extremely versatile player who's mainly shoot first, but can play a playmaking role, can play a power forward role, can play a two-way role. There are so many different chairs you can put him in, and that's what makes him such a good acquisition for Anaheim. That wraps things up for our first segment. We'll get into our second segment where we talk about Jamie Drysdale and what the Philadelphia Flyers are getting in this trade. We'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. If you're looking for a solution to your medical needs, if you're someone who travels a lot and doesn't have much time to, you know, go to the pharmacy, you know, head up your doctor, get a prescription, Jace Medical is a great alternative to that. Um, they provide five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use through their Jace case. Uh, it's a really useful tool, especially, again, if you travel and uh, you tend to get sick on the road a lot like I do. I don't know why. Every time I travel, even if it's, you know, if, you have, if, I'm, if I'm not taking a plane, if it's just a, if it's just a car ride seven hours south to, to the USA, um, I still find a way to get sick and Jace Medical um, is Jace Medical's Jace case is a great alternative to that and helps you stay healthy and stay on top of your health when these things happen. 
Um, you can get ongoing care from their physicians or any treatment related questions. Um, it's a doctor created platform that is also doctor uh, recommended. So don't get caught unprepared. Everybody should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones when the unexpected hits. So you can get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Check it out. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about uh, Jamie Drysdale and what the Philadelphia Flyers are getting here. First, I really love the fit. Um, Jamie Drysdale getting traded to uh, the Philadelphia Flyers fits a need so much for them because their top power play quarterback right now, I believe, is Cam York, and Cam York has not been doing good in that role. Um, so you can have Jamie Drysdale just hop in there, immediately go into that top power play role and do it really, really well, because we all know how good offensively he is. Um, one of the most mobile and creative defensemen from the back end. He can find many different ways to hit players in stride and transition, uh, especially when breaking out the puck. Uh, once in the offensive zone, he shifts his weight really well and finds these little shooting lanes from the point, which makes him really effective on the power play. Um, and overall, just he makes life really easy if you're on the half wall. Overall, he just he'll get you a puck in your wheelhouse ready for a one timer. Or what'll do mainly is draw a player in and open you up completely, um, which can be really really useful if you're a team like the Flyers and you have those half wall options. Makes life really easy for them. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really overall impressed with what Drysdale brings. Um, the defensive game has been struggling, and you know the the numbers haven't been great. He has been injured a lot, so. That might kind of explain why he was up for grabs, but talk me through what you what your impressions are of Drysdale and why he's a good fit in Philly. I think the power play is another, it, it, just like you said, is one of the big, big things there. Like yeah. Jamie Drysdale's five-on-five game is definitely still a work in progress, but 100%. the deception, dynamism, and skill that he has with the puck on his stick, especially with space, is a perfect fit for that power play. And you add to that the passing ability that is just so crisp and so accurate when he's on his game. And uh, it, it makes it scary in, in two and a half years when Matt Bay-Mitchkov is going to uh, add himself into that lineup. That's going to yep. be a lethal duo on the power play and probably the two players that will get the most puck touches on that power play. I also think that this really fits a need for Philadelphia, like that the defensive prospect core is not as strong as the forward prospect core is uh, in Philly. Like on the right-hand side, the other players that you really have that are going to be maybe potential impact pieces are probably limited to just Helga Granz and Oliver Bonk, right? So those are not two players that that I would be overly optimistic about in terms of like top pairing upside. And yeah. while Drysdale is certainly not a home run swing as a top pairing defenseman, he has that that ceiling. And mm -hmm. if Philly is able to develop that and give him the ice time and insulate him for the first year or two to get him warmed up into that that higher end role, I think he could really, really fill a need for them. So I, I quite like the acquisition. It is a swing and a half, especially when when you compare it to like the certainty that you have with Cutter Goatse. Like, I don't think there are many worlds where Cutter Goatse becomes anything less than an impactful second liner. And with Jamie Drysdale, there's a far wider range of potential outcomes still now, even though he's like, what, a year or two older than Goatse and further yeah. along his development path, he's quite raw still. But the upside is just as high, if not higher, than with Cutter. But injury worries are, are, of course, a significant concern here. And we'll have to see how that continues to play out. Hope, hopefully he's able to 
to shake off that injury bug that's that has been bothering him for the past couple seasons. But I really like this fit in terms of um, Drysdale as a power play option and just as an addition to that defensive uh, core and, and the the young defensive core, the future defensive core. Like you already have like the Sanheim and York that are pretty solid NHLers right now, and yeah. Oliver Bonk's going to be a decent like number three to number five defenseman, depending where that upside ends up hitting. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lack of that elite skill. And uh, I think that this is a really, really uh, decent bet in terms of a, a not great situation overall for Philly here. Like they were not in the position to maximize value, but uh, I think they, they got at the very least a very intriguing piece in return. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into kind of why it was Jamie Drysdale, because you look at the Anaheim Ducks decor and it's just unfair in terms of prospects. I mean, Olin Zellweger, Pavel Menchikov, of course, um, on the right side. I mean, you've got Noah Warren, Kistan Rondo and Dianicho, we can put in that conversation. Like they have a lot of options and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the right side. It's not as it's not as deep as their left side. I was thinking maybe they trade a Nolan Zellweger, maybe they even trade Minchikov, but you're looking at Minchikov's numbers right now, the way he's playing right now in Anaheim, he's not expendable at all. No. Like he is, he's, he's done a better job on the top power play uh, than Jamie Drysdale has when he was healthy. Which is saying something. Yeah, absolutely. And you add Olin Zellweger to that mix. They've got a one, two punch on the top power play for the next 10, 15 years. Like it's, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, but also it's just overall the injury issues. Like we mentioned, the defensive liabilities as well have kind of made him a bit more expendable and pushed them down the pecking order. And again, Pavel Minchikov just playing out of his mind in his rookie year, all that in combination, I feel have has made Drysdale expendable. Now, at the same time, you know, does 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 Anaheim have to add a sweetener in that trade if they trade Zellweger or Minchikov? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like you're you're looking at a player who has the potential to be a top power play quarterback, and if he stays healthy, if he's managed well, uh, if he's paired with the right guys, I mean, Philly has some options on the left side as well they can play him with. I don't have much of a doubt. Uh, I've always believed in Drysdale's um, Drysdale's skill set, and I think that it's just a matter of time before he pans out fully. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you look at the other players in this pecking order. I understand the Anaheim side of not wanting to trade another guy, but I also I also understand the Philly side of really wanting a right-handed defenseman who can play on the top power play. And of the guys we mentioned, the Lunos and Warrens and Minchikovs and Zellwigers, the one the one that fits the most to that bill is Jamie Drysdale. So overall, I think it's a fantastic fit. Uh, what do you think? I agree, and I, I think that like I mean, obviously, hasn't got much attention because it's the by far the smallest piece of the three pieces in this deal. But adding yeah. Anaheim's second round draft pick is also quite substantial. Like a uh, that's going to be a high end pick, almost a first rounder, likely in that what like thirty four to to, to thirty eight range, which is yeah. a really really valuable slot you're seeing like some really good players get drafted in that range. Uh, and you can always get some real followers of like quite slam dunk first round talents in that range. And you have yeah. quite a bit of choice among those as well. So I think adding that as well on top of Drysdale certainly softens the blow a bit of, of losing Goatsay in such a dramatic uh, fashion as we're going to discuss a bit in, in the final segment of the episode. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think adding a high end second round draft pick, like of course coming from scouts, like we're excited. We're more excited about draft picks than the average hockey person is, but yeah. there's a lot of value to be had in that. And second round picks are the most undervalued asset in the NHL, both among like 
teams and general managers, but also fans. Like second round picks are really solid bets. And Philadelphia uh, drafted pretty damn well in the 2023 draft class. So I wouldn't be shocked if they uh, take a home run swing with that with that pick come draft. Yeah, absolutely. Never put it past the Ducks scouting team. They are fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll talk about uh, the situation surrounding this um, that landed Cutter Gochi in Anaheim what that means for NHL prospects in the future, and overall kind of our thoughts on the whole situation. We'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors over at Sleeper. It's almost the halfway point of the season, uh, but you can still get in on the action with Sleeper. Sleeper is our number one choice for your daily fantasy hockey needs and overall daily fantasy sports here at the Locked On NHL Network. It's our number one choice because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is correctly predict eight specific player stats, and you can get creative with those, whether you want to bet on some of the stars of the league to put up some goals like the McKinnons or the Drysidles, or if you want to take a home run swing on one of the youngsters of the league, maybe on Connor Bedard once he comes back from injury, or I don't know, Adam Fantilli is playing some pretty good hockey right now as well. The choice is yours with Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Alrighty, so closing things off with our final segment here, we'll talk a bit more about the situation surrounding Karagoche going to Anaheim. Um, this has been a long time in the works. Um, it, it came as a surprise in terms of it happening on a random day in January, but overall, um, there were a lot of rumors surrounding Karagoche being shipped around. We didn't really know why yet, um, but him being absent at the training camp, uh, at the rookie camp for um, for uh, Philadelphia, um, kind of made things a bit muddy. Um, but then, you know, I had heard some some speculation around, you know, Philadelphia trying to ship him off at the 2023 NHL draft table for some picks, that kind of stuff. Um, but we'll start off with what what we know happened for sure. Carter Goche on uh, draft day gets picked fifth overall in the 2022 NHL drafts while shaking you know, the, the GM's hands and all that says something along the lines of, you know, made to be a Philadelphia flyer, like making a comment about how he's made to be a flyer. Um, a couple months later, a flyer's try to get in touch, um, you know, get some information on how he's doing, how he's feeling about the whole contract situation. They don't get any answer back from either him or his agent. Um, later on after the world juniors, um, and after the world championship, they tried to get a hold of him again. He wasn't really responding and had um, had advised the team that he wasn't really interested in talks at all with them for the moment. Uh, but after these world juniors had just passed, from what I understand, um, John Leclerc and the uh, the, the Flyers uh, staff try to try to get you know get in a touch with him again and um, sit down with him, have have a talk about this contract situation. And he outright told them he wasn't interested at all. And and you know having anything to do with them for the moment. Uh, so that overall, that whole situation, it leaves a lot to the imagination and speculation, but we can, we can imagine that Carter Gauthier initially was psyched about being picked fifth overall, but then changed his mind about wanting to be a flyer. Um, I'm really interested in that whole process because how, how do you get there? But also is this good or bad for hockey that prospects are starting to take things and throw their own hands? We saw it first with Adam Fox, really, in his, yeah. you know, when he was picked. 
he made it clear he wanted to play for New York regardless, and he made that happen. Um, but, you know, in this situation, Gauthier taking agency to zones at hands. I think we're on the same page about liking players having more more freedom. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about all this? For sure. I mean, I think framing it as, like, good for hockey is already kind of fitting a specific narrative. Like, yeah. yes, like, like for, for hockey fans, it sucks. It's annoying. Like, if you're a Flyers fan and you've been hyped for a cutter goat, say, this is disappointing and annoying and you're going to feel emotions about that and you are completely fair in feeling those emotions but cutter goats is a 19 year old kid and he didn't want to play for philly or live in philly or whatever he had his own reasons and i think like of course like workers rights but like specifically for like very very young players like still teenagers can you really expect them to communicate that like maturely? Uh, like, y- yes, Cutter Gota did not exactly handle all of this with grace from what we're seeing right now as like the first impressions yeah. uh, of this whole situation that's still very much being untangled. But I don't think that that cancels out his right to determine where he wants to go, where he wants to play. And it wasn't like he forced his way to Anaheim specifically. It wasn't like Adam Fox, where it's like, I will not play for any team, but this team, it was just a thing of, he didn't want to play for that organization. And Mm -hmm. that could be for a variety of reasons, including the fact that he grew up a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And there might just be enough animosity in the family that he just didn't want to do it in the end. And Hey, that's, an, that's a lot of, like, intensity and emotion for a hockey player that, like, I, I, I don't mind that he, like, forced his way out in this way. But, yeah. like, the decision itself, I think, is is a fair one. The way it was communicated kind of yeah. sucky for a lot of people. Definitely. But I don't think that 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 removes the value and the importance of of, of people deciding where they want to work. Like, you, you posted this on Twitter today, right? Like, yeah. like if, if this were any other, like, realm, like, like, like workplace, if you're an employee that has not even like signed a contract with your employer yet. They just basically picked you out of a lot of people and were like, you work for us now. And then you decide to work for another company. And then every single like customer of that first company is like pitchforks and calling for your head for it. It's like, that's very intense for a 19 year old kid to have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And the other side of that is like, it's reality of hockey. It's it's intense. It's really, really, really intense. Yeah. And the the other side of that, we're not really, kind of seeing talked about at all is the fact that you know everyone involved here is getting like death threats and like having i mean the the fallout on kevin hayes who had absolutely nothing to do with this by the way like just a complete outsider to this whole situation like people are calling uh, he he was a mentor for for cutter goatsey right like like they've been in contact but like yeah if he gave him advice of like, oh, there's a here, here's a tidbit about the organization that I had a bad experience with. That's him sharing and being transparent. Not yeah, like, that's yeah. not his, that's not on him for saying that. It's on the organization for doing that. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of what it was, I feel like the situation with Kevin Hayes. I mean, people were saying that they're glad his brother's dead. Like, that's not something you can say to another human being. Like, at yeah. all. This is completely blown out of proportion. And the fallout for Carter Goche. I'm scared for this kid. Like, we know how Philly is. We know how fans, uh, yeah, Philly. we know how fans are there, and we love the passion, we adore it. Um, but the fallout on this kid is gonna be scary, it's gonna be hard to watch. Like anytime the ducks come to town, it's gonna be very, very difficult for this kid to have like a good time. Um, and yeah, overall, I mean, everything about this is is I feel is blown out of proportion because again, this is a 19-year-old kid 
who, yeah, changed his mind. He's being called a spoiled, whiny, entitled brat online. Like, there are actual, like, color color commentators and analysts, like, calling him names on live TV and stuff. And, like, he's a 19-year-old kid who didn't, didn't choose to get drafted by this team. Again, I completely agree that he could have handled this differently. I just can't say for certain that 19-year-old me would have done any better in that situation. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think anyone here can. So it's it's a matter of making sure that you know you you keep that in consideration and understand that this is a human being who maybe just did not want to play in Philly. He, his family is Pence fans. We don't know what the reasons are, but it can be something along those lines. And whatever the reason is, that's okay. That's part of the process. If you're going to draft out of the NCAA pipeline, you need to keep these things in mind. That it's a possibility that you'll get you know shot in the foot with this kind of situation. We saw yeah. it with. Fox. We saw it with a lot of pro previous prospects. It's a it's a reality of the industry. People saying like, "Oh, it's part of the business. If you want to, if you want to, you know, if you're drafted by a team, it's, it's you know, it's it, they wanted you. It's your responsibility to, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's it's part of the business. You know, to get drafted by a team, you don't get and say saying where you go. But like, it's also part of the business that there's an NCAA clause that says that you can stay in the NCAA for four years, age out of your eligibility as an NHL draftee, and then hit the yeah. free market if you want it's part yeah. of the business that goes both ways and i feel like the you know prospects taking that matter into their own hands is fantastic for 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 the sport because well not for the sport it's not fantastic for fans it's fantastic for the human beings the human that are beings finding yeah. these contracts because again these are people and they should be allowed to have agency as to where they work when you're that good at hockey you should be able to have a say in where you go even if you lose and a couple anyone points. should have a say of where they go in terms of work, right? Like yeah, I think absolutely. if we were having this conversation of just like a friend that we know that like wanted to change workplaces, we wouldn't be here in pitchforks of like the calling him a spoiled <laughs> whiny brat. Like it just there's it just you are a traitor to this organization, to this company. How dare you, right? Like it's like Yeah, it, like, I understand the, 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 more, fan, the, the moralization of this decision is rather intense. Absolutely. And I, I just really hope that things cool down on Gochi's side, because again, this is a 19 year old kid who made a decision um, for his future and for his comfort and his, his you know, his, his workplace stability. We don't know what's going on behind the, the, the scenes of, of Philadelphia. We don't know why, you know, we don't know what things he might have heard to make him not want to play for that team at all and not even respond to calls from Danny Briere and John LeClaire. Like, I don't know, man. If Danny Bear or John LeClaire call me tomorrow, I'm answering the damn phone. Like, but it, it is what <laughs> it is. Uh, but either way, that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports. And make sure to tune in tomorrow as we talk a bit more about some drafted prospects post-World Juniors, how the World Juniors have, might have affected our rankings, and what we'll see in our rankings moving forward. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.